Today, more than ever, leaders are suffering from a lack of connection with their teams. With divisive policies like mask and vaccine mandates, remote workers, and labor shortages, how are leaders able to coax the very best from their team members? And that's coming up next on Experienced Leadership. Welcome to Experienced Leadership, a podcast that helps small business owners and entrepreneurs just like you dare to be the exception. Join our host, service expert and master of experiences, Mark Hain, as he uncovers relevant and timely content to help you develop your business. So you can take the time to work on your business, not just in your business. Here's your host, Mark Hain. Welcome to this episode of Experienced Leadership. This is where small business owners and entrepreneurs pick up core skill sets to help them work on their business, not just in their business. I am your host, service expert, Master of Experiences, Mark Hain, and today my guest is Chief Inspiration Officer, Tony Martingetti. We will be talking about the mindset leaders need to adopt and how to set the foundational seeds to drive effective teams. But before we get into that, I just wanted to remind you to go ahead and subscribe to this podcast. That way, it'll set you up to receive notification whenever I bring you some new content. And of course, while you're at it, feel free to follow me on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and of course, on Instagram. And please go ahead and use the hashtag, hashtag experience leadership. I was just speaking with a local business owner who is at her wits end. She is prepping for the Christmas season, and aside from all the supply chain issues that she is having, finding capable and willing staff is her biggest thorn. Which brings me to our question of the day. What angst are you up against with your teams? Go ahead and share your experiences on social media and make sure that you hashtag it, experience leadership. My guest for this episode is the Mountain Sherpa for Game-Changing Leaders, Tony Martingelli. Tony is a trusted advisor, entrepreneur, idea generator, and people connector. He brings practical experience, formal training, and extreme curiosity to help elevate leaders and equip them with the tools to navigate through change. He is the host of the Virtual Campfire podcast and the author of Climbing the Right Mountain, Navigating the Journey to an Inspired Life. Welcome to the show, Tony. It's so nice to have you. Thank you so much, Mark. I'm thrilled to be here. Tony, maybe you could kick us off a little bit. Tell us a little bit about what you do for your clients. How do you serve them? Yeah, it's funny you say that serve is the key word because, you know, sometimes you're doing things that are not always going to please people, but you really want to make sure that they're, you're in service of them, which is so important. So the work I do with my clients is really helping to see things that they don't normally see for themselves. I help them to climb the right mountain. Oftentimes they are accomplished leaders who've gotten to this place where they're not feeling fulfilled any longer. They feel like there's something missing. They feel stuck. And so I help them to reconnect. So who specifically do you serve? I know you said business operators and entrepreneurs, but do you have a specific industry that you serve? I've worked across a multitude of industries. I came from a background of working in the life sciences, but I've found since I've been on this journey that I've worked across many different innovative industries from high tech to biotech to even the entertainment industry, worked with companies like Warner Media, 
and worked with companies in the oil and gas industry. In our neck of the woods. <laughs> yeah. So, Tony, we're starting off talking a little bit about the challenges that leaders have with the fact that we're dealing with remote workers. We have supply chain issues. We have really contentious policies now when it comes down to mask mandates and vaccine mandates and all that sort of thing. Leading in high-performance teams, where do you find that people are becoming the most handicapped now? Yeah, you know, the biggest handicap is being in a hybrid workplace and not really adapting to this new world that we're in, which is the reality is this is how we're going to be leading forward. And so it's really making sure that you embrace how we're going to be now. We've changed. We've all changed. And we need to be able to adapt to that change. Have you seen that, you know, for a lot of leaders that there has been a real kind of wrench in the gears throughout the pandemic that they maybe might not have been prepared for everything that's happened the last 20 months? Yeah, I mean, the biggest challenge I've seen that people have not been able to embrace is they haven't realized how hard it would be to communicate with people fully, to truly understand the challenges that they're facing. And it's more than just the challenges of, oh, how can I get my job done? But how am I dealing with the emotional impact of not being in person with the people I work with and not feeling the connection that I used to have when I was working in person? And now the feeling that things won't ever be quite that same way. Even if we do go back to the office, there's an element of fear of re-engaging. Yeah, yeah, no, it's I can absolutely see that. You know, in the last 20 months, you know, we had, I remember when March 2020 came around, by the time May rolled around in 2020, we had all the software to do monitoring of people's devices because, you know, the, the big things that leaders were concerned with was, you know, now that people are working from home, how do I know they're doing the work? And so we've had that level, and then we've had people who fared really well. What has been the difference between the leaders who've really, really suffered throughout the whole pandemic and those who've just thrived? Yeah, I think it comes down to one key word, which is the ability, well, two key words. Number one is the ability to have built trust with the people around them. If they've built a foundation of trust before coming into this period, and even during, then that is really made a big difference as to how they could take care of themselves and allow their teams to manage their flow of work. But also connection. Connection, and sometimes the other word communication, which is really the foundation of connection. Being connected with people, having conversations that allow them to know that they're there and I see you and I know that you're, you know, you're still working hard. And even though you're not in the office, I know what you are, you're up to and I'm here to support you. How much of what leaders have contend with to contend with now trust, I think is a really good word because I think that's the one thing that held people back from ever doing any kind of remote work or hybrid work environment before the pandemic ever hit. And of course, the lack of trust is what spawned all this technology for playing big brother on people's computers to be able to see how much time they were working and what they were working on, as opposed to really setting down objectives and actually leading through objectives. But what? how much did mindset have to play for leaders? Oh, it's a game changer, really. When it comes down to it, 
your mindset towards how you're approaching, you know, how you deal with people and how you're, you know, dealing with navigating through these challenging times, we'll call it. It's really important that you're approaching this from a, what are we learning about ourselves? What are we learning about this new environment? So I often come back to that learning mindset, much more than just the growth mindset. I think it's about embracing the changes we're going through and seeing, even though we're not going to be perfect, we're not always going to know what to do. What can we learn in this moment that will take us to the next step Mm. and the next step after that? That is so important to embrace. And that mindset allows you to let other people know that you're trying to do the best by them. And they feel it when you're in that place. If you're trying to fake it and say, oh, you know, I know where we're going. I know how we're doing this. So transparent. It goes right through and they pick up on that. Yeah. It's so interesting that you said that because one of the things I think, I think if any generation has been tagged with having to be challenged with it would be the baby boomers, the people who grew up kind of carrot and sticking their way through life and through their teams. And now it's a question of in order to get this learning mindset, we now have to have the humility to admit that we don't have all the answers. Yeah. Yeah. I really think so. And it's funny, you know, because it is, it's humbling, but at the same time, you know, knowing that when people can see you're looking for them to help you along this journey, even though you're the leader, there's an element of saying, we're going through this together. Let's, let's help each other. And they feel like there's an element of wanting to be part of that journey together. It's actually something that enlists them and actually motivates them forward to be part of the team endeavor, Hmm. to see where we can go together as opposed to, oh, where's this person leading me? I love that. Like, such a great philosophy. But you yourself have been challenged. I mean, when, I, the one thing I loved when we set up to, to do this show, you mentioned this thing about you had the audacity to leave the room to change the room. Can you talk a little yeah. bit about what that is all about? Yeah. So I'll go a little bit behind that before I get into that very um, sentiment. I spent 25 years in the corporate world and It's been an amazing journey, but I got to this place where after going through some ups and downs, some burnout, and then kind of coming out of that burnout, I got to this place where I was sitting in a boardroom and feeling like, okay, like I want to do something more meaningful with my work, but I don't know what it is yet. I'm sitting here and, you know, collecting a paycheck, you know, working in an industry that is, you know, really saving lives, an amazing and very, you know, heartfelt endeavor. But ultimately, I saw as I looked around the room that these leaders, they were not worried about inspiring people. They weren't really as focused on the patients as I had hoped, as I'd come to know in the industry that I was working in. They were focused on their own self-image. They were worried about how I looked and how they would be portrayed and who was right and who was wrong. So these, I came to this place where I said, well, here are all these people sitting in this room who are completely checked out, looking at their cell phones, and they're not engaged. I'm not engaged. This can't be the way to, to live life. This can't be the way to lead a company. And so I decided at that moment that I think I've got to stop doing this. So I decided to get up and walk out and leave the room. I didn't have a plan, but I knew that whatever I was going to do, I was going to leave that room to change the room. That was my path. It's not 
what I necessarily prescribe for everyone, but it is something that it required me. It was a catalyst for me to move in the direction of what I needed to do to move into the work that I was called to do. I love that. And it's, it's so important that, you know, there's all sorts of stats about about employee engagement. And it says that, you know, essentially, by the time somebody decides to resignate, to resign their jobs, that they would have essentially been disengaged for at least three months beforehand. And so as a leader and being somebody in, in your realm, being able to recognize that in yourself and just say, you know what, yeah, I don't have a plan, but I know that this is not it. And to be able to do that really must have, A, been a difficult decision, but it must have also been one that you really had to toy with those emotions driving that. Yeah. There's so many things that came up for me and I've come to see it as this aspect of, you know, having the courage to follow the spark, the courage that it takes to really say, I'm going to leave the comfort of a, you know, of my paycheck, of the benefits. And I've talked to so many leaders who have been in this situation too, where they find themselves you know, like I've got a comfortable situation. If I wait a little longer, I'll get, you know, a big payout when we IPO or we do this or do that. But they find themselves just tolerating their lives as opposed to living it. Yes. And so what I found myself in, in this moment was saying to myself, I don't know what the future looks like, but I know this is not my life. And I need to follow the courage of my spark and figure out what it could be. And what I found as I did that, and just to kind of give you this clarity, what I figured out is that I was holding myself back from who I was by defining myself based on my role, on the titles, on the things that I was, that most people do. They say, I'm the finance person, so therefore I act this way. I do these things. This is what I'm capable of. No, not true. They, they kind of put themselves in their own little box. I loved your phrase. Having the courage to follow the spark. If you're watching this, you need to put that into a tweet. <laughs> you need to put, because that's a brilliant, a brilliant definition. Having the courage to follow the spark. I'd like to jump into some conditions leaders need to create to effectively lead high-performing teams. And we'll get to that right after this. When the spotlight shines on your business, are customers applauding or yawning? In other words, how is your business performing? Make your business a star with the new book, Lights, Camera, Action, Business Operational Excellence Through the Lens of Live Theater by Mark Hain. Mark uses his business and acting experience to help you see your business like a live show so you can create a performance your customers will never forget. Buy Lights, Camera, Action today at your favorite online retailer or directly at markhain.com. I am speaking with advisor and chief idea officer, Tony Martinetti. Tony, we are seeing reports of high cases of burnout, increased mental health issues, and of course, the great resignation. In your opinion, are leaders right now on the wrong track? I mean, it's hard to paint everyone with the same brush because there are a lot of great leaders out there who are doing the right things and they're starting to really, you know, create the environment for people to see, you know, how to move forward in the right direction. But that's not the case across the board. I've been starting to think about this as being, you know, this chance to not see it as a great resignation, but more of a, you know, the great realignment, which is really about, you know, leaders to take this chance to say, how can we get people realigned with what we're trying to do here? So I talked earlier about 
communication and connection. Well, this is the greatest opportunity for a leader to say, okay, I don't know where we're headed. This is what I know. This is what I don't know. This is the vision I have for us to move forward. If you like the picture I'm painting, then come along. And this is what I can tell you we're going to try and do. If you don't, if it doesn't align with who you want to be, then yeah, by all means, you know, find the the organization, the place that really connects with who you are. Because the most important thing to do is make sure that people are aligned with where you're going. And that's probably changed if you've, you know, everyone's been impacted over the past two years. So if your business is still staying to the same plan it was two years ago, then you might be running a bit stale and people might be falling out of favor because you haven't done a realignment or rethought how you're telling your story. How important is it for the leaders to actually include their teams now in this idea of strategic planning, strategizing for the uncertainty that is our future? Yeah, well, it's a great question. And so it's there's kind of a balancing act here, which all things leadership have an element of balance to it. There's a starting point where maybe the leader has to put out the, um, you know, opening stakes. You know, this is the starting point, but leave it open to interpretation, leave it open to question and to kind of co-create around it. But there has to be something that starts. So once they put down that starting point, then people can feel comfortable or they should feel comfortable to riff off of it and then get alignment around that. So I think that's important. You never want to have this dictatorship where someone says, this is what it's going to be, you know, take it or leave it, you know, let's, it's done and put into, um, into sand. We have, you know, we've nailed it. You want to make sure that people have a chance to say, do you agree or not agree? What would you do differently? A lot of business owners would actually push back on you for that. In that, yes. this is my business. This is, I built this business for 20 years right? What would you say to them? What is, becomes that catalyst yeah. to help them change that mindset? If you want people who are going to help you to build and to enhance your quote unquote baby, then give them some ownership in it. You want everyone to feel like they have some element of agency on the work that they're doing. If they don't feel like they have some agency over their work, then they're not going to get fully engaged. They're not going to be motivated so ultimately, if you give people a sense of like, I feel like when I go to work, I'm doing something that is bigger than myself and I'm contributing to something that means something to me, then you've, you've unlocked that intrinsic motivation, which is so important to tap into. And that's what creates the one plus one equals a hundred as opposed to one plus one equals maybe two mm-hmm. might be minus one. <laughs> Yeah. The days of I'm the boss, so I will tell you what to think is long gone, right? We Because, I mean, we yeah. we now need people's minds and their soul and their heart as well as their hands, right? So, yeah, yeah. so that's just a brilliant thing. I, you know, and we've talked in past episodes about the need to find out where people's passion projects lie, right? We've, you know, Google had the 15% time, you know, yeah. 3M had a similar kind of program where people were able to develop projects on their own for the benefit of their companies, but they could focus on their pet projects. And because of that, they have proven higher engagement, proven higher contribution. Everybody's getting, stepping up and having the voice. 
But somewhere you need the humility for leaders to turn around and say, hey, let's take a chance. Yeah. What do you think holds the leaders back from taking on that attitude? Taking on the attitude of giving people the flexibility to explore? Yeah. Yeah. Well, if it's just a, a little question. Company, yeah, just a little question. <laughs> just a little question. <laughs> you know, if there's a public company, what often happens is there's this element of, you know, board and other stakeholders, external pressures to perform that really gets in the way. And I think that's where I've seen some leaders really push back and say, no, I can't give in to all that pressure. I have to know what's right for me and for my company and what's really going to drive results. So if I don't feed the engine, the engine will stall. So I think it's important for a leader to get clear about what is important. And from time to time, check in with themselves and say, where am I at right now? Are we doing enough to feed the future? Are we doing enough to feed the innovation and the creativity of our team? So that's one aspect of it. And the other aspect of it is, we just get so stuck in patterns and we say, you know, it's not that we have ill intent. It's just that oftentimes we say we have to double down on this area because if we don't accomplish this one thing, then we won't exist. We have to find ways to be creative also in thinking, how can we ensure we're doing the number one thing, but also make sure that we don't lose sight of the future? What else could be happening? How can we become creative in the way that we're doing the number one, but also what happens if the number one fails? Yeah. And it goes back again to going to purpose and mission is going back to the purpose mm -hmm. and mission and, and saying, you know, okay, so it failed. So what, what's the next step now? How do we move forward? Yeah. Yeah. This yeah. Is Which brings me to one of the most important things is I think it's like, you know, a lot of people will think, okay, you know, planning, I was a finance person. So I often, it was, thinking about plans, doing strategic plans all the time. But ultimately, planning is everything, but the plan is nothing. So you have to always be thinking, what's the plan? But also being open to adapting and pivoting as you go through the execution of that plan. So important to stay nimble and to be able to be open to being wrong, to being able to flex and form in different ways. I know it's easier said than done, but it's it's actually a muscle that can be built from an organizational standpoint, not just individually. Right. And, you know, I think it's going to be interesting to look back, you know, maybe 15 or 20 years from now and to look back at this time and see what were the components that helped businesses survive and thrive versus what created businesses to shut the doors down. Because, I mean, obviously we have the pandemic, we have you know, the onset of, you know, internet purchasing and sales. And so brick and mortars are having a challenging time. So we have all these different components that is coming into this era. And it's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out when we look back at it from a historical perspective. Yeah. Yeah. You made me think of, I should probably patent this at some point, I don't know, but I often say, you know, expand your vision, narrow your focus. Expand your vision, narrow your focus is this model that I've used with people where oftentimes, you know, during this pandemic, especially when people saying like, ah, oh, like, I don't know what, where we're headed. I don't know what to do next. I'm feeling a little bit like we're stuck. And so they're staring at that wall and they're saying to themselves like, gosh, what now? So I'm often thinking like, well, what are, what's on the periphery? What's around you? So step away from your problem and look at it from different angles 
take a broader view of things, expand your vision. And then once you see the other possibilities, maybe it's a partnership. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's moving to a, you know, an online service as opposed to a brick and mortar. And then once you see those possibilities, you can't do them all. So you got to figure out how do I narrow my focus so that I can execute with, you know, intention and get things done because knowledge without action is useless. And so it's important to make sure that you figure out what you want to do and then take action. Oftentimes we get so paralyzed in the, you know, we don't know it's all risk. You know, there's all this risk involved with taking that next step, but you have to take some action. So ultimately, once you get that new information, you have to take a step Yes, and see what happens. Yeah, I love it. And, you know, I love the fact as well that you mentioned that this idea of having to step out from where you are. And sometimes we can't, sometimes we can't see the forest for the trees. And this is why yeah. a lot of times when we have these, this broadcast, we've talked about the power of bringing coaches on board. So as a coach yourself, could you let everybody know how they can get in touch with you if they want to look you up and use your services? Absolutely. I'd be thrilled to have people reach out to me if I have a, to have a conversation. The best place to find me is on my website, inspiredpurposecoach.com. And what I usually do is I start with a, you know, a brief conversation to get a sense of, is there a fit? What are we, what's the problem we're trying to solve for? And what are the things that they're trying to accomplish in the coming you know, months, years, what have you? And I think that's the starting point, whether it's individually or with a team. That's what I love doing is understanding people and their challenges. Love it. Love it. We're uncovering a lot of really great information about what leaders need to do to adjust themselves first to that they have to work on themselves first before they can lead those high-performing teams. So if you're enjoying today's episode, please go ahead and leave a review and share it on LinkedIn. And don't forget to use that quote about following your spark. Now, we've talked about leader's mindset. What do you think are the foundations? Once the leader works on themselves and they say, yeah, you know what, I'm, I'm jumping onto this virtue of humility. I am jumping on the virtue of trust. But now I need to create the foundations for effective teams. What do they need to be looking at? Yeah. So one of the things we haven't really talked about is making sure that you have this ability to see the need for different thinking, divergent thinking on your team. You know, one of the things that people always shy away from is conflict, right? A lot of the things that we're mentioning here, I always harken back to one of my favorite books about teams is uh, Patrick Lencioni's Five Dysfunctions of a Team, which is so funny because it's like, why would you want to focus on the dysfunctions? But the reality is when you look at how bad it can get, you kind of flip the coin and you look at these things that you can do to make them better. And one of them is this element of if you avoid conflict, you in essence hold yourself back. So it's important to embrace healthy conflict because conflict like friction is what we're looking for. Friction creates growth. It creates this element of like going back and forth and seeing how you can make each other's ideas better. You know, I'll borrow from improv for a moment to say the yes and is really, you know, if you were just to say, here's my idea and everyone just says, yep, okay, done. And then you just move forward, then, you know, you're limiting yourself from what's possible. But if you say, that's great. Yes. And let's do this too. Like, it's like, I honor that, but let's transcend that and go here as well. If that's something that you guys are all on board with. 
or no, that won't work. Let's try a different approach. How about we do this? You know, you have to be able to do it in a way that respects each other and allows it to be more generative in nature. I love that. So you're using the word generative. So it's in order to generate ideas, generate systems and so on based on those ideas. Yes. And I just want to add one one thing to this, which is interesting because we talked about balance earlier. I talk a lot about balance, not balance as in work-life balance, because that's a challenge in its own right. It's an episode onto itself. But the balance of leadership is really to know how to strike the, you know, how long do we need to linger in the space of contemplating these ideas? And when do we just need to kind of like say, we're there, we've arrived, let's move on. And that's where a leader has to have the insight of, okay, I think we've arrived at a place that is, we're ready to move forward, as opposed to letting people linger in the space of questioning and, you know, kind of noodling around for so long that it becomes almost exhaustive. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So this idea of, I know that in our previous conversation, you mentioned generative, but you've also mentioned this idea of convergence. So Mm -hmm. what is the difference between the two? Yeah. Well, I love you mentioned this because you know, one of the things as a coach I'm, I, I'm very keen on is this, is that it's about divergent minds coming together, but it's about convergence in the sense that you come together as one in terms of by the, at the heart, that you start to see that we as a group of people who have different thinking, different ways of bringing our skill sets together, we can then come together and find a way to unite and that's where convergence comes into play. You know, it's not easy for groups to do this, but when you trust each other and you have this ability to see each other's skills and strengths in their own light, and you allow each other to be heard, have that psychological safety, which is so important to teams, then what happens is you start to really respect each other, even when you don't necessarily always agree. And that's convergence at the heart. Yes, I love that. What a great way to be able to put in this idea. You know, I've talked about constructive collisions and constructive conflicts. And so this is Mm -hmm. exactly what you're talking about with this idea of convergence, taking different perceptions, different ideas, and giving them all weight and then converging them onto the overlying principles and and the destination. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at some point you want people to see that the problem and this is another thing that I think is so important when problem solving as a team is that the problem is not people. The problem is separate from the people. So you have to make sure that you separate any problems you're dealing with from any individual so that they don't feel like they're being attacked. It's not a personal attack that you're, you're coming together, that you've defined a problem that you want to solve together. And once you've done that, then, you know, you as individuals that come together as a team, are able to look at it from the different angles that you're, you know, you're, you're coming to the problem with. And that's uniting in its own sense. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, this, when you say the uniting part of it, the one aspect that is so important to the uniting is you're giving people a voice. Yes. Yeah. So important. Yeah. So important, especially in the virtual world we've been in, making sure that you give people the space to put their opinion into the room. And, you know, to that point, you know, you mentioned earlier on, you mentioned that hybrid is one of the challenges that we're going to have. And this is, I think, a key separation to a remote workforce or an in-person workforce is this idea hybrid of as an effective leader. How do you make sure 
you're giving voices to those who are attending virtually versus those who are in person as well? Yeah, it's a great question. And so there's a few things I often think about. It's you have to set the stage for this. You have to set the stage for an effective hybrid team. And that might mean that you want to create the agreement as to what do we want to expect from each other? How will we communicate? What are the tools that we're going to use to make sure that we're all on the same page? Do we have, you know, an understanding that important conversations will be had on, you know, when we're live as opposed to by email? Or do we have a Slack channel that we'll be using for more of those kind of let's connect and have a a quick chat? I mean, it's really important to be very clear and uh, fostering that element of belonging so that every person, no matter where they are, whether they're in the room or virtually that they feel as though they're being treated fairly and that they belong as part of that team. So it's not just the tools, it's also the intention that you take into that room and communicating with everyone about what is, what do we agree to do as a team? Yeah, I love the intentionality behind that because it means we have to stop and assess and stop and evaluate and stop and strategize in order to be able to pull that off effectively. Absolutely. I'd like to get into some cautionaries about what we're talking about today, because I know some people just jump on the bandwagon and want to change everything, but there are some things we should be cautious of, and we'll get to that right after this. When you're delivering an important speech to a huge audience, it's easy to lose your place or go way over time. Give yourself an advantage with the Pro Speaker Presentation Speech Timer app. No more checking your watch or calling for time. The Pro Speaker Presentation Speech Timer app keeps you on track with easy-to-see timers, even changing color for visual prompts during your speech. And you can set audio cues to practice or set it to vibrate so you don't even have to look. Be the pro you know you are. Download the app at speakerpresentationtimer.com. I am so blown away by today's conversation and this idea of, you know, we're expecting leaders now to give more of their hearts, give more of their minds rather than just giving their time and quote unquote their attention. As we move forward through this, Tony, are there any cautionaries that we should be talking about today? Yeah, (laughs) there's two things that come to mind and one of them that is borrowed from someone who I I've learned so much from Stephen Covey, which is always think of the first seek to understand and then be understood. I think it's so important to give space for listening and listening with such intention that you're clearly understanding what people are saying and then questioning and repeating back to people saying, is this is what you meant to say? Because we're in this space of virtual, things don't always come across the same way as they were intended. You can't read the body language. You can't get the full full sense of what people are trying to come across. So I think really be intentional about your listening. So it's important. And then the other thing that came to mind was this element of like making sure that you are, you know, really connecting with, you know, what is the things that that are not being said that you want to make sure that you're, you know, confirming, you know, are people staying quiet? Are there things that you need to, to check in with them on? You want to make sure that you're confirming. You know, don't assume that because you said something that everyone understands it. You know, the old saying of like, just because it's been said doesn't mean that it's been understood. Yeah. Yeah. So. You know, if you look at my tagline, I, my tagline is dare to lead with love and kindness first. 
How important mm. do you think is compassion in the equation of leading high-performing teams? I mean, this is exactly why I resonated with who you are, because I really think compassion is such an important part of how we need to lead. Because, you know, for me, I like to think of it as compassionate accountability, the two, the two sides of the coin that are like, it's so important right now. We got to hold people accountable to doing results. You don't want to be like, oh, okay, you know, whatever you need, whatever you need. But you also want to be compassionate with people, but also with yourself. And so in order to lead in this day and time, not just virtually, but wherever you are, you need to have that ability to say, we've got to be compassionate about who we are in the, in the world right now, all the challenges people are facing. Know that emotions do have a place in the workplace, that it's not something that you take out. You can't separate people from their feelings. So you have to make space for that. But at the same time, make sure that you challenge people to live up to the best selves, which means keep on pushing people on their growth edge so they continue to become the best person that they can be in their workplace. I often think about this concept of, you know, employee engagement is no longer not adequate enough. It's not what we should be striving for. It's employee enrichment. It means to me that when people come to work for you, that they should have this expectation and you should have an expectation that when someone comes to work with me, I'm going to leave them better than I found them. Yeah. So. Yeah. That resonates with every fiber of my being because I, it's, it's the way that I've led when I've run hotels, casinos, restaurants. It's always let's, let's invest in their capacity. And I have a huge, a huge conflict with people when I talk about the need to train your staff. And people are like, oh, but if I train my staff, they might leave. And, you know, then my argument is, well, you might not train your staff and they might stay. But yeah. I think that, you know, people are, I believe that people are on a journey with us. And we can either contribute to that journey. We can, I, we can let them move forward with a full tank of gas and the, the tires are, have been nicely rotated. And they're equipped to move forward in their lives because of the contribution that we made. It's no longer my contribution is the paycheck. And so I love what you're talking about today, Tony. This is fantastic. Yeah, I mean, just wanted to take that one step further to say sure. like, because I know that you don't want to say, oh, you're, you know, your company's like a family because there are some nuances around that that are challenging. But if you can think of it like, you know, your people are like your children. They don't really belong to you. They just, you know, they come to you, you help them to become better people and then they move on. And I think ultimately, if you think of it that way, it's really powerful and really beautiful because it says that I want to ensure that whenever people think about me as a leader, as a person who helped to shepherd you through these periods of time, that you'll always think fondly of our time together. Maybe not always in the moments when I was, you know, challenging you to do things that you didn't want to do. But in hindsight, you'll always say, gosh, I'm so glad that person pushed me to do the things that I wasn't ready for, but they believed in me and saw me for something that I wasn't really seeing in myself. And isn't it funny because everybody that as grown-ups that we look back on weren't the people that were pushovers. They, they weren't the people. We're not looking back with fondness at, you know, boy, I loved working with Steve. Boy, was I ever able to get away with murder with him. It was so great. It was the best time of my life. No, we always talk about the people who were our mentors, people who were our coaches, the people who pushed us to be better than we ever thought we could be. And because of that turned us into who we are today. Yeah. Yeah, it's brilliant. 
Tony, as we wrap up, do you have any last thoughts about what we're talking about today? Yeah. You know, one of the things that I'm, I'm very keen on sharing with people is that, you know, it's time for honest conversations in the world. And, you know, my tagline is inspiration through honest conversation. And the reason why I chose that is because I really believe that the more that you get honest with yourself and have that conversation about, you know, who do I want to be right now and how do I want to be? That's a very powerful starting point. And then when you resonate that from there to other people, what are the conversations that I'm not having that I really need to have that will serve, not please? I would even add one more word into your tag. Courageous. Courageous conversations. Because sometimes it's not easy to have those conversations. And sometimes we have to be able to pull up our big boy panties to be able to hold tight to our principles and to our virtues and to our values in order to have those really, really tough conversations. Tony, this has been fantastic. Could you remind everybody one more time how they can get a hold of you? Absolutely. It's been, first of all, it's been a true pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. The best place to find me is inspiredpurposecoach.com. And you can also find me, uh, my podcast is on all the podcasting channels, Virtual Campfire, and I also have it on my website as well. Great. What is the theme of your Virtual Campfire podcast? Well, it's about really sharing stories of transformation. I bring people on who have really, they're doing great things in the world, but they didn't just arrive there. There's an element of what was the journey that brought them there? Oftentimes, it comes through these moments we call flashpoints, these points in our journey that have ignited our gifts into the world. Love it. Tony, thank you again. I really appreciate you being here to share your knowledge, passion, and of course, your expertise. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Mark. If you have any questions about today's episode or would like a complimentary 30-minute brainstorming session with you and your team, go ahead and book yourself on my online calendar. The link is down below. It's the one that's marked meetme.so slash As always, I am at your service. And if you haven't done so yet, why don't you go ahead and subscribe to this feed? Follow me on social media. Let's get the conversation started. And remember to use the hashtag experience leadership. My name is Mark Hain. I hope you stay safe, stay healthy, and dare to be the exception. Thank you for joining us this week on Experience Leadership. Make sure you visit markhain.com where you can subscribe to iTunes or by RSS so you'll never miss a show. Or go directly to markhainlive.com to watch the video edition of this podcast. While you're at it, if you found today's content valuable, please give us a rating on iTunes. Or you can share it and tell your friends all about the show. As Mark says, knowledge is power, but only if you share it. Be sure to tune in each week for the newest episode. Please stay safe, stay healthy, and dare to be the exception. <laughs>